Hi lovely people, welcome to Dog Wizardry. A charming dog trainer having noteworthy conversations with thought leaders in an assortment of fields. Here is Dog Wizardry. Welcome to Dog Wizardry. Um, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about the power of words. We have a powerful guest with us. Her name is Rosemary Rassiopi. She's coming to us from uh, historic Tapan, New York. I'll tell you all her websites later, but I'll tell you one now. ApogeeLearning.com, A-P, like Peter, O-G-E-E, learning.com, ApogeeLearning.com. It's a great website. All her websites are great. When I play the audio from Rosemary, it's going to be in progress because this was pre-recorded. But what prompted the conversation and today's episode was um, we were talking about the phrase, you make me mad, or he made me mad, or she made me mad. Nobody can make you anything, okay? Don't resign your power to somebody. And don't tell me that it's not a big deal when we say, you know, to say, for example, you know, it's just a phrase, it's just a saying, he made me mad, you know. But I think words have power and words have meaning and that's what we're going to talk about today that's what rosemary that's one of the things that rosemary is an expert in the power and meaning and hidden meaning of words so um rosemary take it away what does it mean to you he made me mad or she made me mad you give permission whether it's on a conscious level or a subconscious level, by stating, you made me. You give that other person position to have dominion, to have power over you. I agree with you, Ivan. It's a matter of choice. And it's interesting, even the word made, every letter is a vibration that communicates with the various organs of the body, because every organ receives the signaling from every vibration that is brought to it. And the sound of mmm, mmm, is the sound of root energies. So when you tell someone, you made me, you are delegating your root power to that person. And the root power is associated with the concept of survival, rootedness, your space, your place of safety. Hmm. So do you, do you feel like words, just words that we use every day, like you made me in these phrases, that these affect people on a cellular level, not just how they interact with each other, but on a cellular level, cellular most, level with themselves? Most definitely. Because if you are, as you stated uh, initially, if you're delegating the power of someone over you and you keep allowing other than yourself to define what it is that happens to you, yes, you are reinforcing the idea that you are not in power, but someone else has power over you. Where do we get the idea to even talk like this? You know, it, I think that 
And like, I see a lot of parents that will say to their kids, you're making me angry. Don't make me do this. Don't make me pull this car over. And, I mean, how does that, I mean, do you think that that well, helps that, form that a schema? Act, that actually is a, attempting, interestingly enough, on the part of the parent to regain control by controlling another. Like, you, as you just said, don't do that, otherwise you're going to make me, you know, uh, pull over to the car, blah, blah. So what the parent is doing is feeling a sense of powerlessness, and powerlessness means I have to be powerful over someone else since I'm not powerful of myself. So when the parent says that, the parent is actually admitting that the parent has lost control of the situation and that the child is dominant. But but the thing that's interesting to me about that, about what you said just now, is so if the parent is trying to... the par- It's like the parent is trying to influence the kid's choice by acting like they, they have no choice. Exactly. And that's the root of conflict because inherent in um, humankind is this need to feel survival and to have validation of one's power. Every argument, I'm, you know, I'm involved in other capacities working with people in their communication with one another, whether it be communication between a parent and a child, between siblings, or between uh between couples of any kind. And what happens is most of the um, friction that they experience is because of the communication impressions that they may be giving without even realizing that they're giving it, yet they will react to it. Can you give an example of that? Um, Taking things personally to a point where the person feels that uh, they, they are, you know, they are accountable for that other person's opinion. For example, if you ask, if a person asks another person, okay, you know, what do you think of my hair, my new hairdo? Whatever that person is thinking is what that person thinks. It has nothing to do with the haircut mm. in its objective form. So, if the person who has the haircut loves the haircut and stays with that and feels confident, it's not significant that they ask 20 people to find out what percentage like or dislike. It's when we give up the sense of what we identify with that we delegate this power over to someone else. And then we hear the conversations the drama that is brought to conversations. Do you know he had the nerve to say blah, blah? Oh, my goodness, how could he have said such a thing? We're not appreciating that communication is an indication of a particular state of being, a particular reflection of one's attitude toward a myriad of situations. And it's, and it's what that person thinks. So when we take communication not as a, the actual indication of a person 
and where they are. And we assume that they have to be in agreement with us. And if they're not, that person, quote, made me mad, well, that meant that you did not have enough confidence in your own perspective that with a lack of agreement from another person, quote, you became mad. But you made, the person made him or herself mad. They're just projecting that onto another being. Hmm. Yeah, that's like a, a good example what you were talking about before. If somebody says, hey, does this look good on me? And then, you know, you say anything other than yes, and then somehow that makes them feel weird. Yeah, I mean, if we were to be real honest, if someone says, does this look good on me? You may say, well, good for what? For you know, cleaning the house or going to a party. You know, if we really wanted to communicate clearly and rather than just attempting to appease each other, which never really works, because if we're not reflecting our own truth, but we have to begin to appreciate that one's truth is possibly their opinion. It isn't a universal truth and to begin to differentiate one's opinion from from relative fact. You know, what does it mean that something looks good on you? It fits well, the color looks good, um, it's flattering. You know, what does it mean? Okay. All right, let me let me let me let me just stop you there and ask you a question because when we first started talking about you made me and you start talking about conflict. I want to ask you, what does the word conflict mean to you? Well, con means one. You know, it means with. And flick means change. So in the sense, until we acclimate ourselves to be one with change, we're in conflict. Can you say that again? Con means with. Flick means change, means with change. So we feel conflict when we have not resonated, accepted, or integrated a particular change. Why do two people have a conflict with one another? One wants to do one thing, one wants to do another. They're not accommodating the change that they need to accommodate in order for that difference not to continue to exist. Okay, see, now that's interesting to me because one of the reasons I had you on the show is because a lot of words that have kind of negative connotations seem kind of positive to me. I mean, tell me if I'm crazy, but I'm you just saying... Are ap- you see, that's exactly right. Every communication is reflecting a state of being. So it isn't negative. It is a particular state of being. What you want that state of being to result in will determine whether or not it's satisfying its purpose. So if, for example, if if someone has a habit that's unproductive to one person but very productive to another person, that particular habit is relative to the person. It's not necessarily an absolute. 
the absolutes are generally those that are destructive or in some way prevent the person from moving toward goals or maintaining survival or uh, in, in some way achieving the communication or the clarity that they're seeking. Mm-hmm. If we, well, I mean, like, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, if we speak to someone with words that they don't understand because we want to show we're smarter or that we could be, uh, you know, we could impress someone with our vocabulary, we actually defy the purpose of communication. The word communication means with one. How could you be with one if there isn't an accord, a mutual agreement? One of the reasons that language works is that there is an agreement of what a word means. Dictionaries were created to, you know, every meaning episode, story, dick meaning dic- dictation, meaning of sound. So we agreed that these sounds refer to this object or this set of circumstances. So the sound of cup, you know, this is give me the coffee cup. People can now, with agreement, picture in their mind a cup. It could be a ceramic cup, it could be a green cup, a yellow cup, whatever. But it's very different, the concept of cup, is very different than the concept of ruler. So it's only because we have agreed that we have language. Hmm. Well, let and me ask you, you a think, question. When you think of it, interesting, Ivan, the courts and all legal action very often is interpretation of language. We have a judicial system who is, who is charged with the concept of interpreting language. We have contracts between people, negotiations and settlements, and it's all based upon the subtlety and the specificity of language. So could there ever be a dictionary that's invented that's the authoritative dictionary that we all go by those that we that things don't just have let's put it like this. Like like you when you said the word conflict and you said that that means with change, to me that sounds like a good thing and yet and yet we've agreed that it has a bad connotation. So like it's bad that we're gonna have a conflict. Well, it means it's, it's something that um, requires some kind of adjustment or negotiation. Conflict is only because we have some resistance to what is being offered. You hear people say, oh, I'm of two minds in that, meaning they're agreeing but they're disagreeing. They're agreeing because of facts A, B, C, and they're disagreeing because of facts D, E, F. It's interesting what you said about the courts that it's up that there's words that are up for interpretation. Well, that's very much the even the history of 
um, the United States in terms of the interpretation of the amendments. And this is something, you know, not to get into any political discussion, but this is something that most recently um, has been a, a source of controversy. You know, like what really is the meaning of the amendment that allows us to bear arms? What was the underlying motivation? How do, is that still applicable or not applicable, depending upon the person or persons or systems interpretation? Okay, Rosemary, we have. I just want to let you know we have about ten minutes left. Sure. I think would. I think this would be a good time for you to to read your poem about words. I'm going to play Dolphin Sounds for for nine seconds. Hold on. Sure. That's like. <laughs> One day. When I okay. figure out how, I'll add more. When I figure out how, I'll add more sounds to my library. But um, you wrote a poem about words, and I would love to hear it. I'd love for you sure. to share it. Um, it. The name of the poem is Words, Words. Words for prayer, words for play, for the faith and frolic of our day. For the politician's power quest, words chosen thought to be best. Words that conjure thoughts of freedom, the held ideal. Words to affirm a continued and favored appeal. Words of the lovers, passionate and sweet, to assure affection embraces when they do meet. Words to praise and hold gratitude true, gems and jewels when bestowed upon you. The poet's game to choose words well, passion, desire, sensibilities, Emotion, where soul and heart dwell. Reports from the blogger creates with many a word, many a phrase. Words to tell of intent, purpose, and meaning of one's passing days. Know it with pleasure. I receive what you choose to do. So blogger, you can visit and share time and maybe a word, many or few. And so we may click and a virtual venture before us is laid. And with words, reflections and response, this game of life is played. And it really makes me think about the importance of words and choosing my words carefully. You know, it's choosing them mindfully with the intent. Words fulfill intent. As I said in the poem, you know, politicians will use very specific words. Lovers will use very specific words because they have an intent in some way, they want these concepts, these vibrations, these thoughts to bring about a set of reactions that's favored to their intent. Okay. I want to ask you a question, and be mindful that we have about you have about, we have about six minutes or something like that. 
when when you, when you say the word intent, um, my question for you is, well, the way that it's commonly used and the way that a lot of people agree on using it is they'll say, oh, that person has good or bad intentions. And I've had conversations with you that made it sound like it would be make more sense to say my intention was gratitude. Is there anything you could say, you know, about the word intent and the true meaning of the word intent? Well, what happens is I look at each of the words uh, besides their formal etymology and their root derivations. But, you know, in means inside. Intent means protection. So in a sense, whenever we have a particular intent, we inside of us, you know, like behind what we're doing is something that we identify as being important, being protective, or allowing us to, to move forward. So when you, you know, it's like um, what's inside, you know, a tent is like where you reside for protection, uh, the, the most basic of, of um, habitats that, that one can have. You know, when even uh, little scouts go out and want to be able to survive in the lands of nature, you know, they have these pup tents. So to me, when I hear the word intent, I hear the concept of motivation, purpose, direction. And sometimes an intent can have a destructive uh, connotation. You know, if my intent is to fool someone, to let them think that this product is going to bring them X, Y, Z benefit, but I know that it isn't, but my intent is to fool them so I can get some kind of monetary gain, that's when we would, so we would possibly say, you know, that the intent was bad. Bad meaning it's not aligned with that which serves, which that which nourishes, which that which supports, which that which actually sustains life. Because what is the intent of life but to have it sustained, to have it protected? That's interesting. That's really, really interesting. Because, you know, there are a lot of people out there that do things that are dishonest with the intent of making money. Yeah, because they so see money is, as their survival. Therefore, they justify their intent. They justify um, the means for whatever they feel is the necessary gain. But the interesting thing is, when you t when you talk, I wish we had more time. We'll talk about this next time. But when you, when you say that somebody, when you describe someone in that way, that they're kind of in a survival mode, you would think, or not you, but many people would think that that means like homeless person or someone that's in a really bad position that's in survival mode monetary-wise, monetary, monetary but we also know that there's a lot of rich people that trick people so they can make more money. And is there anything you could say about someone that is rich but they're stuck in survival mode? Well, it may be that something, and we'll discuss this, uh, I'm sure, at another time, whatever our motivation is, 
if it reaches a point where it is contrary to that which helps us, generally there is a, uh, we're running a program within our mind that is contrary to our survival. For a quick example, we need to eat in order to survive. But if eating becomes a means by which we get every other satisfaction other than just the physiological satisfaction and some pleasure, but if it gets to a point where it's disproportionate, then the person eats for a multitude of reasons that are related consciously to their survival, but not necessarily truly physically to their survival. And therefore, you know, may become overweight and may actually develop related uh, conditions of the body that compromise their health. There is something I want to say, but I, I we have let me see uh, we have three minutes and forty eight seconds. Um. I'll ask you on the way out. How about just um, name a couple of your websites really quick. Sure. Um, You mentioned Apogee Accutone. Now, the blog, I have a blog because it allows for uh, much more interaction if anyone so chooses. And the Apogee Accutone is all about vibration on different aspects and different levels. So that would be www.apogee.acutone, one word, A-C-U-T-O-N-E, dot blogspot.com. Another that deals with words in a very different way as vibrations of emotion and a dialogue between what we see and what we hear is a poetry blog. And that very simply is www.thepoetspen.com. That actually is a good launching for understanding and appreciating this phenomena that's called vibration, which, of course, is what we communicate with in the way of words that we bring to one another. It's interesting because every letter, and I'll look forward to sharing that in another appropriate time, every letter is a vibration that communicates with different organ systems of our body. It's no coincidence that we say, oh, as we're entering a particular um you know, pleasing situation. Oh, isn't this nice? Oh, thank you. The word oh is a vowel that is associated with a feeling of safety and acceptance. And it becomes fascinating to see and feel language um, with these particular vantage points. It, It makes our thoughts more alive to ourselves. It makes what we label other people uh, more known to ourselves. 
it was mindful communication, not mindless communication. Hmm. Here again, mindful, full of mind, full of that which serves us. Mindless, less of what is of full service through the mind. Okay, well, next time I have you on, I have 30 seconds left. I want to cut it off before it cuts me off, but... Sure. Uh, next time we next time we talk, uh, I would like to start from there. I'd like to talk about the vibration of words, the vibration of letters, and the vibration of words. Yeah, I look forward to it. And what I'd like the listeners to think about, as by way of introduction of that, is feel and say the word love. Feel and say the word hate. Look at one's face when you say the word love. Look at one's face when you say the word hate. And I will be more than pleased to address what communication each of those letters make separately and as a unit for the word love as well as for the word hate. Thank you so much for joining us. That was Rosemary Raciope. She can be reached at 1-866-228-8663. That's 1-866-228-8663. And she has a number of websites, apogeelearning.com. And Apogee Learning is spelled A-P-O-G-E-E, learning.com. She also has apogeepoet.blogspot.com. And remember again, Apogee has two E's. Apogeeacutone.blogspot.com. That's A-P-O-G-E-E-A-C-U-T-O-N-E.blogspot.com. These ones need no spelling. She also has the soundinglight.blogspot.com as well as apogeelearning.blogspot.com. And remember, Apogee has two E's, A-P-O-G-E-E, learning.com. One last time, her phone number is 1-866-228-8663. And thank you so much for joining us. Hi, lovely people. Thank you for listening to Dog Wizardry, voted most original podcast on the internet. Contact us and be part of the next conversation. Te amo.